welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. My name is Trina Casey and I'm your host. On this episode, I get the pleasure of interviewing Stephanie Ryan. And Ryan is a scientist that has found a really creative way to teach children about science and also let them know that it's okay to make mistakes. I really enjoyed this conversation and I really hope you do too. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to EQ Above IQ, Parenting with Emotional Intelligence and Healing the Inner Child. Tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thanks for having me. I am, I have a lot of different hats that I wear. (laughs) I am a I'm an educator, first and foremost, it goes through my veins. Um, That's just who I am. No matter what I end up doing, I end up doing something to teach people things. (laughs) Um, So I have a background in chemistry and in learning sciences. So I like to focus on how people learn things and to make things better for everybody. Um, Because I don't think science should just be for those kids who memorize the periodic table. I think science explains the world around us And I think that we can all do science and make it more accessible to everybody. And so that's a big goal of mine. And that has kind of morphed into a little bit of an odd area. I am now an Instagrammer of where I post science experiments that people can do in their kitchen. And I gained a bit of a following during the uh, pandemic. So that seems to be where where I'm at at the moment, reaching out to the public through social media instead of the way I was. <laughs> yeah, everybody had to make shifts. Tell my audience what your Instagram is so they can check that out. Yeah, it's Let's Learn About Science. And I just started a TikTok yesterday that shows experiments too that I think will be fun as well with the same handle. <laughs> Woo, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a dirt, nerdy, geeky science person. I, of course, I'm more about the social and, and emotional sciences, but I'm, I love chemistry. I love making things bubble and fizz. <laughs> well, and in the learning of all of that, there is science, the um, psychology and sociology and all of that with the learning that goes behind learning hard sciences like that. So I think even calling them hard sciences is not the right way to approach it either. <laughs> No, honestly, I believe that children have this amazing capacity to learn anything at any age. And the only limits that we they have are the ones that we place upon them. And so, you know, um, as I write my children's book, I when I remember when I first published it almost three years ago now, people would ask me what grade level it was for. I said, does it matter? Does it really matter? Because my goal of my books are to have parents engage with their children. And if your child is reading a book and they don't understand a word or, or a concept, it's your job as their parent to sit down with them and kind of explain that. And it's, it's, it's great to get questions from kids around things they don't know. So, you know, I always say you better start worrying when your kids stop asking questions. You know, totally. So, so I love what you're doing with this science. You have something called, I knew that was going to happen. You have a concept about um, letting, let, encouraging mistakes. Uh, explain to my audience what you mean by um, mistakes in science. 
So a lot of the listeners probably had an experience in school where they got something wrong. And it was like, no, that's not what happens. And you shut down because you were told you were wrong and you don't really want to have that feeling again. So you stop doing it. And I was thinking about this in terms of my four-year-old when he was learning how to walk as a little wee one, he would stumble and fall and wouldn't be very balanced. But we never said, no, you're doing it wrong. We didn't say, try to move your leg this way. It would be better. We didn't pick up what he was doing and fix it and then finish it. Like we let him be himself and come to it on his own terms. And I think that we forget that. Uh, in learning. And if we were to approach learning, like we teach walking to our kids, we would be able to have them stumble and it's okay. Um, And an example I like to use actually happened last summer during the pandemic, we were making popsicles. And I asked my son what we needed to do to make the liquid a solid. And he said, I think we should put it in the oven. And the scientist in me was like, what? (laughs) And I had to stop myself like for correcting him because it's so easy to do as a parent because you want to do things a little more efficiently and you're like, nope, this goes in the freezer. I don't have time for this. Well, we were in a global pandemic and I actually really did have time for this. So (laughs) we turned it into a several day activity of where I let him put the silicone tray in the oven to see what happens. That didn't work. But I didn't say that didn't work. He saw that it didn't work, had to work through that on his own and then make a new plan. So then he tried outside and it was 95 degrees Fahrenheit outside. So it was very hot, evaporated. And so, whoa, what's that? And so we ended up at room temperature and then refrigerator. And then finally he was like, oh, I think it might be the freezer. So we tried it and it worked but it stuck with him so much that by October it starts snowing very early here. It's so cold. And, um, it started uh, Indiana. Okay. Indiana. Okay. Um, in the USA, she, um, or, so it was uh, sleeting outside while we were driving mm-hmm. and it was like right on that line of water and salt, uh, liquid and solid. And he said, Mommy, I think it's getting cold enough that that water is freezing into ice. And I looked at him like, I never taught you that ever. We've never talked about this in your entire life. And yes, that is exactly what just happened. And that's because I let him just play around. And yeah, it was, it made me feel like I was letting him be wrong. And like, oh my gosh, what if, what if someone came up and asked him and he's wrong? Well, that's fine. It'll get fixed in the end. Like, he will have life experiences that will help him build upon that. <laughs> yeah, what a great story. Air, experimentation. Life is about experimenting and trying things out and seeing how to stumble, but um, and not beating yourself up because you do stumble. I think um, one of the things with emotional intelligence is that we have a tendency to beat ourselves up if we make a mistake, instead of just saying, hey, I made a mistake. I, I, I'm human. This is what happens. I, I tried something and it didn't work. Let's keep moving on now. But um, I think socially and, and emotionally, we have this culture of just being beaten up or making errors and feeling embarrassed. You, know, you, you, you said something perfectly. 
oh, what if somebody else came up and asked them that question? That is always floating in our mind, that that, that feeling of exper- um, comparison or um, being told that I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's perfect. How old was, how old was your son? He is almost four and a half. Well, I guess he might be almost five. Yeah. Wow. Almost five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And so how old was he when you did this experiment? Um, probably almost four. Okay. So, all right. So it was recent. Oh, I love it. I love it. So um, you also wrote a book. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm curious. I did. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of what you were talking about, about your book, about how the, it was the experience with your child and you were encouraging the parents to be involved. Um, so I was doing my day job, which is writing assessment and curricular materials. And I was thinking about just basic chemistry concepts and my son was playing and he was sorting his toys into piles of color. And orange is his favorite color, has been since the moment he was born, still loves it. Um, And he made a pile of all the orange toys. And I thought to myself, hmm, I think we could actually break science down into little more bite-sized components to start talking about it a little earlier. And maybe we will be able to get a little further with it and the interest might stay. Because one of the things I hear all the time is, oh, I hate science. Science was bad. My chemistry class was terrible and all of that. And it's like, well, science is literally all the stuff you do in a day. You washed dishes. You use soap to get grease off a pan. Like you, you use all, you science all day. And so to say you don't like it, that's like, I mean, do you not like knowing what you're doing? <laughs> How's your car moving today? Exactly. Um, and so... I thought like there's a group out there. It's definitely like a genre of books. It's um, it's like geeky science baby books, you know, like the, for people who are scientists, it's for their babies and their funny gifts to give for, you know, like a baby shower gift. And I had all those. And so did all my friends because we're scientists. And I thought to myself, like, this is important to be for everybody, not just scientists, kids. Mm -hmm. So that was always in the back of my mind of how can I make this approachable to everyone and not just a scientist's kid who already has heard this language because of their parent. Um, And so I used my son and his three best friends at the time and we used their, all their favorite things. So like one of them really liked superheroes. So there's a page about superheroes. We use their toys. Um, they wear actual outfits that are theirs. So these look like real kids. Yeah. And they play a game, which of these things is not like the other. And we use a baseball, a doll, um, a carton of milk. And it's which of them is not like the other. But the key part is why? Why do you say that? And so it encourages kids to point out something. And you know what, if it's not the science answer, I'm fine with that. That's cool. I encourage the parent to move on and say, okay, so why do you say that that one's different? And I get answers all the time. Like, um, oh, you can't eat that one. (laughs) And it's like, well, you're not wrong. You can't, you could eat the other. Sure. So there's that. And then recognizing patterns. So there's just these skills that I think kids can do um, at this young age. And by using comparisons, we can see what's different and what's the same. 
Right, right. Really, that's all it's about. Um, one of the things that I uh, we were talking about previously is placing limitations on our kids. Um, and their ability to learn, absorb. I mean, we see it all the time. We see the genius kids. And there was a, God, there was a TED Talk, and I can't remember the scientist's name. I know you probably know. But he said that children are born basically geniuses. And the reason why they're born geniuses is that they have a capacity for imagination and creativity that gets um, systematically suppressed over time and so they stop thinking in critical ways because we force them and the more they go through the education system that is now the more they lose that ability to create creative thinking and be outside of the box and so we know now that one of the things that people seek especially big corporations like google and apple are these out-of-the-box thinkers in order to create new ways and systems of doing things. And, but we, we like really boxed our kids in, I would say starting in the 1940s to up to standardized testing to now <laughs> to only replicate what has been replicated for decades, you know, or hundreds of years, you know what I mean? It's just it's such, a, a, a in the box thinking. And um, so one of the reasons why I'm a science geek and I wanted you on the show is to un- kind of like have my listeners understand making mistakes in science is how discoveries and things were, were basically made. People tried things and made mistakes and said, oh, wait, wait that could work over here for them. And all of a sudden we have so what's a mistake that became uh, a scientific revolution? Can you think of one? I knew it until you just asked me. I feel like it's um, not even a revolution, but like, um, I feel like Silly Putty was one of those, yeah. like something that like you could pull up the comic with it. There's just things that people have, oh, wow, that. Yeah, tops. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that TV doesn't do. And I don't think that I was prepared for the failures of science when I got to become a scientist. I'm doing research. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It finally works. You can publish a paper on it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. (laughs) And so I felt like I just, I was a failure. And it's like, no, this is just how science is. And so like on TV, we show science as like, look, we found the match right away and all of this. And so I think it's really important to show kids that, yeah, this is science. And like we were talking off air about how science gathers data mm-hmm. and scientists sometimes have to change their claims based on the data that they've collected. And right. that doesn't mean that they were lying. It doesn't mean, it just means that they made a reevaluation of the data and made a new, more educated claim. Right. Um, and I think that that's something that we don't really talk to kids much about. <laughs> yeah. And in that conversation, one of the things that I pointed out, and it's an emotional intelligence piece, is there's the reason why there is a big mistrust of discoveries that keep evolving is because there has been a long history of non-accountability for the mistakes, especially those mistakes that affect 
people. Matter of fact, there's been always a kind of let's hide, let's sweep that under the rug mm-hmm. type of attitude in the scientific field. And I think that as a person that's pretty transparent myself, I prefer transparency about what what is. And I think that unfortunately, because we have educated our children in this kind of like, you're only good at this kind of like a caste system for such a long time um, that, okay, your test says you're this smart, so you go over here. This test says you're this smart, so you go over there. So people forget that they have this capacity of learning that's beyond that little box or, or check that they make. And then they don't make, edu- they don't make school very fun on top of that. <laughs> you feel limited by your options. So then that in turn turns to a little bit of a bias towards people who are considered smart and versus the people who are actually aren't less smart, but just didn't have the same opportunities per se, you know, because of that system education have created. So on an emotional level, I think there's a little bit of programming to distrust because you're not like me. You know what I mean? So we have this like division Mm -hmm. that makes people not want to understand because they don't feel like they could be good at it because they were told very young they weren't. And that's what I want to break. I want to break that concentration because the capacity is out of this world as long as you give them the opportunity to be there. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why representation in books matters so, so, so much. <laughs> in every level. If you can't see yourself in the children's book, being the scientist, you can't, you have even more trouble. <laughs> and even more trouble. And I wrote a book too called Galaxies Well. And my books, they all based on the five principles of emotional intelligence, uh, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation or uh, purpose, compassion and or empathy and social skills or community quotient. And the reason why I write this books the way I do and then the back, they have questions, they engage. Never once did I consider that my books could be at a level too high or too low for anyone. I wrote a story of humanness, of emotion. And one of the things that's beautiful, and I love what you said about your book, is you're engaging the parents' involvement in the story. And that's what I do with my stories. It's like, is that what did that word mean? Or I'm not sure what that concept is, but not so difficult where the kid couldn't eventually figure out, but just making them think about what these principles are and how they can apply them five years old, you know? And I've even had adults tell me, hey, I need to read this book. <laughs> Things like that. And I, I totally want to check out this book because, you know, my inner scientist is all about doing experiments and, you know, and I'm trying to engage my son in that. But he, unfortunately that perfectionist uh, streak because of his experience at school, which is the opposite of home, 
You know what I mean? So when you were writing this book, I mean, you explained a little bit about it, but tell me the structure of the book. Like how would a parent uh, apply your book to what they're doing with their kids? Yeah, so my book is broken into sections that are labeled. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk just about liquids and gases, or you want to talk about chemical changes and that's it, because you're doing a baking soda and vinegar experiment in your kitchen that day, you can just pull one section of the book. You don't have to use the whole thing. Um, and the way it's built is, let's see if I can get this on here. So you meet okay. the four children. Okay. And they talk about themselves and ask the kid a question. Like, what's okay. your favorite color? I like cars. What's your favorite toy? And like going through. Um, And then they play this game and they have pictures of very common things and the answers, not the answers, but what they're called is underneath it. And so the parent can very easily see which one doesn't match the others if they didn't know. And so that was my goal because my husband is not a scientist. He's a science enthusiast, but not a scientist. And he was like, in my draft, he goes, I don't know the answer to this page. (laughs) He was like, I wouldn't want to read this to my kid because I don't know the answer. And I would feel like that's not good to do. And so I worked with an editor um, to help me um, incorporate parents a little better. And so that's how we ended up with the words underneath. And then off to the side, we describe why the answers are the way they are. But if your kid didn't say this, that's fine. Just don't read that part. Move to the next page. Um, and that's how I built it was so that it could be however you need it to be um, when you're reading it to your kid. And then for the parents, I've just focused very heavily in my on podcasts and on my website and things about how being wrong with your kid is fine. Like you have a smartphone. You don't know an answer. Look it up. Teach them that All lifelong the learning concept. All the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Scientists look things up all the time. I would say half of the research I did when I was in the lab was reading papers, trying to find something out, you know? And if we teach kids that, that one, it's okay not to know the answer as an adult. And two, that we also have to learn things that pulls out that perfectionist aspect a little bit where they won't have that so much. Um, It could be like, well, I don't know it, but I can learn. Exactly. Exactly. I love that so much because we are all just these humans trying to figure out, figure things out. I always say we're all just children walking around in adult suits, trying to figure things <laughs> out while we spread our trauma to everyone we meet, especially our kids. So, you know, there's this inner child in us that we have, to, we can heal through parenting our children. If we're just like, open and taking accountability for, for those mistakes. It's like, my son asks me stuff and, and I'm like, really? Good question. I have no freaking idea. Because <laughs> my curiosity and ask me something that maybe I haven't even thought about, you know, these are amazing little stages if you are paying attention to them in a, a non-judgmental way. You know what I mean? It's just like, absolutely. If you let them be themselves. Yeah. Let them be, let them be their sloppy. I mean, just today I went to the supermarket. My, my son has always been sort of free range, kind of speak your mind. And that can be a little unnerving for his own age group. He's 10. 
But for adults, we get it. It's all good. For kids his age, it's a little bit kind of like, why are you acting that way or saying that? Or, you know, the arms moving and expression and everything. Everybody says he should be an actor, but I have my um <laughs> it's just letting a kid express themselves. We but we also what we talked about earlier, there was that little voice in the back of my head is like everybody thinks my son is cuckoo for cocoa puffs right now in this story because he's spinning around and he's flailing his arms he's telling me stuff and he's so animated with his hands and everything and you know I'm saying you know I have to remind myself who cares what other people are thinking right exactly it's the who cares um so I got a piece of advice probably about two years ago that really changed a lot of my outlook was anytime that I think the word should, I stop. I should do it this way. Mm -hmm. Says who? Who says that? I should raise my kid this way. Says who? Like, is, is that the best way? Was it proven to be the best way? Like they don't know my child or like our family. And so anytime I get that feeling when I'm out, like, oh, I really shouldn't let him do that. I'm like, no, he's having fun. He's being himself and he's learning while he's doing it. He's like learning about spinning and like gravity when you fall down. And it's yeah. just, he's being himself. And if you don't let someone be themselves, that doesn't work either. You know, so like you're putting them in a box. Oh gosh, you, you, you just said it. It's, you know, it's unfortunate when I even reflect on my own childhood. Um, I don't know about what your childhood was like, but mine was so restrictive for several labors. There's being a girl, there's being um, a girl of color. And, you know, there's just these boxes saying that you're, you can only be this or that or that or this. Though, you know, I had a parents that tell me, and do other things that but their programming was there too in the back of their head and so they unconsciously that's why self-awareness is so important they unconsciously put onto us as children ideas and concepts that are just a regurgitation of what they learned right what was your childhood like around products around that stuff so my dad is an engineer and he didn't he really focused heavily in the women in science component because he wanted me to be a doctor. Mm. So that was a box I got put in, not mm. that I chose to be put in. Um, and so I took all the classes, I did all the things, and that's what I thought I was going to do. And then I ended up really liking teaching and chemistry better. And it was like, I don't know, how am I going to tell my dad this? And so that was the kind of I, I was good at school, but I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And it was just like, I don't want to be a doctor. This doesn't sound like what something I would want to do. Um, but, and it's funny as an adult now going through with my own child, I am working through things like that of like, well, what do I like? What is it that I want to do? Like, who is Stephanie? <laughs> And so I go through this sometimes yeah. and I think about it. And then I look at how we let my son grow and it makes me smile because it's not putting him in a box at all. Yeah. And so like, he really likes the human body and like learning about organs and how his body works. Yeah. So his 
he started asking questions at the beginning of the pandemic about like, how does what I eat come out? You know, like, how does it get from here to here? Mm. And I was like, well, we can get some books and some puzzles and we can kind of get through this. Well, the other day he took his bunny, his stuffed bunny, his toy, um, and traced it. And then he drew his organ system and then flipped it over and drew his skeleton. And on the surface, I saw your eyes. <laughs> like at first I was like, hmm, <laughs> like, okay, what are we doing here? He's almost five and he just said, I'm going to just skeleton real quick. Yeah, he's, um, it's just this weird thing he loves. And he like, I got him really excited to go to the dentist because he'll be able to see the bones in his teeth and stuff. And I was like, (laughs) he just, he likes that. And at first I was like, am I really pushing science on him? I don't want to do that because of who I am, you know, like make him like that. So I just expose him to lots of different things. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I just kind of went with it, but that worked because we were in a pandemic mm-hmm. and I, I had all that extra time, but you can still do that at weekends and evenings. Like you can print out free worksheets mm-hmm. to do and things like that. So it's just, it's not normal to me. Like it doesn't come naturally. Normal is the wrong word. It doesn't come natural to me to right. think like, cause I want him to sit down and learn to read and you get that feeling when it's with it. Like we'll be reading. He'll be like, I don't really want to do this right now because it's feeling forced and you can tell. But <laughs> and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, but you know, the organ systems, like, what am I doing? Am I doing this wrong? <laughs> thing about the whole education system. And I know you probably agree with me at this and tell me if you don't. It's all wrong. All wrong. I'm sorry. I have this debate. I had this debate with teachers at his school and and I say, if you create a safe in, in environment for kids, and I always say EQ above IQ, because when you're emotionally intelligent and you feel good, it's so much easier to be open to learning anything, right? So if you feel safe, Definitely. you don't feel like you're judged, but we have a whole education system based on judgment, based on your performance, rather than internalizing and enjoying to learn, learning how to learn and enjoying the process. So I say, if a kid picks, you give a kid a choice of subjects to say, okay, what do you want to learn today? And if he gets totally into that, like drawing skeletons, I think that is intrinsically a boy thing because my son is into that too. you really open up the capacity for them to learn anything because you've taught them through something they find intrinsically motivating to do, you know? So reading is going to come. Because Definitely. Reading yeah. I, right. Reading so there you go. You know, so <laughs> math is going to come. Right. I think that. Like I said, in the pandemic, that was easier to do because I'm I'm like home with him all the time. And I can I can hear an educator in the back of my head saying, like, well, how am I gonna implement that? We've got 25 kids in the class. And the way I think about it is that we don't have to teach, I'm gonna use chemistry because that's my background. We don't have to teach chemical reactions using things you can only use in a lab. Mm-hmm. 
So if a kid starts talking about something they find cool, try to tie it back to one of the concepts you want to teach. Right. You know, like use baking soda and vinegar so they can try it at home. Have them try to teach it to their little sibling. Um, And I think the pandemic pointed that out when there were universities and community colleges struggling to teach chemistry during the pandemic. And they needed to be able to teach lab at home. And I actually had a lot of people reach out to me during that time. Like, how could I teach this concept? It's like, what do you mean? How could you teach it? You could use a simple reaction. Like, I know that that's not, not the coolest way or the most scientific way, but like it gets the point across and that's really all we need. And we're doing the best we can during all of this. And yes, not ideal. It's not the best way to learn lab stuff but it'll do in a pinch. <laughs> well, think about how labs were before we got all fancy with it. But before we got all the discovery, we still got a concept down, even with the most simplest things, mm-hmm. right? So that's really, I think science is about understanding how concepts work, right? So that you can apply them to other things over time, you know? Okay, well, I thought about this in this way and now, now I can expand on that, right? And um, I just think that's how the human mind is meant to evolve and grow. People try things out of that. Whoop, so-and-so ate that berry and died. So. <laughs> We're not doing that. <laughs> that berry, okay. Um, but somebody had to try it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think that um, science uh, scientists in particular have also a biases around, you know, what was happening in the times that they were and the ideas where they were. You know, I took, I think of um, uh, experiments and things like that on people who were unwilling and really it, it, it was unethical on every level. So I think science have some atonement to do for kind of just going in the name of science, but not in the name of humanity. And I think that we need to really, I, I think there needs to be an overhaul. And I know there are a lot of, I'm, I'm actually uh, working on a science degree right now. And um, there is a lot of discussion about ethics within medicine, within science and how like I couldn't believe it. it wasn't I think it was 1993 was the first time where it was really mandatory for um, women and people of color to be in research papers. Like before, it was just like white males, you know. <laughs> and that's why people of color, especially women, were having heart attacks that were being misdiagnosed because that was not ever a symptom that was put there because it wasn't ever studied. Yeah. Yeah. Because we weren't included in the subjects and, and, yep. and, and, and it's, it's, so we have to, there's a, there's an element in science that has to reorient itself in order to really get understand. I, I, I argue with doctors about this all the time. They say, well, you don't have the markers for this. I said, what are you basing that on? <laughs> research or that, that my doctors gave me what research you are basing this on because I really like to look that up because um but when you're included in that research because you know it doesn't feel right 
(laughs) Yeah, that's something with vaccines. Obviously, I'm a proponent of vaccination, um, but there's a little part of me that until my son could talk, I was like, what if he doesn't want this? (laughs) I was like, but that's, I'm his, I'm his guardian and he needs it. And it's something that I feel like I can ask him if he wants when he gets older, but like right now that's the choice I need to make for him. But yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think ask where they tell parents, you know, like what's wrong with the kid without telling the kid what's wrong with them. Things like that. Like what? (laughs) They're people. They're tiny humans. Let's talk to him like he exists. You know, um, you're his proxy, of course. That's the thing. And but like I said, it's it's you and a lot of people doing what it was always done. But um, yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. You know, even science has become sort of a religion for some people, and it can become very closed-minded. As just as religion becomes closed-minded, we are just. Um, human being doing the best that we can, but genuinely in a state of fear. And that mistake making piece is a huge part of it. So gosh, I appreciate so much you being on EQ above IQ. You gave my listeners a lot of really cool things. And that book is darling. Can you show that again? I mean, you're, nobody's going to see this. This is actually recorded, but I'm just <laughs> This one is Charlie. Oh, that is, is um, Lydia. Mm-hmm. That was his bestie, Elizabeth, and yeah. Oscar. What I want to tell my listeners, there's diversity in this book. This, you know, one of the most important things for me as a book author as well is um, all of my books, Galaxies Will, um, uh, um, Leo the Technicolor Panther, and also um, I Love Pink, A Trans Tale, all have... Uh, diversity, because I think diversity is the spice of life. And, and, and I have friends from all over the world, from all different cultures. I remember learning how to make sushi with my half Japanese friend. And, you know, I just love that communal exchange. You know, we have to learn to live each other, live with each other in a community that like truly accepts and embraces our differences and not tries to make a carbon copy of one group over and over again. So I think that, I, I think it's so important. So thank you for having diversity in your book because you didn't have to, you know? <laughs> um, I definitely include, it's one of those things that it happened and I would have included it if it hadn't have happened, but his friends just happened to be a diverse group of kids and it, it worked out this way. Um, but if it hadn't, I would have worked on that in a different way. But <laughs> yeah. well, um, but I think representation is just so important in a book to be able to see yourself. So like this little girl, we have her doing paper airplanes instead of the boy doing it. So that if there's a girl out there, that's what she likes to do. But then there's um, a little girl with elephants. Maybe she likes her stuffed animals instead. Like, and so it's just, it I really avoided, I didn't really have to avoid, it just didn't happen. (laughs) So I avoided stereotypes because they aren't living those stereotypes. So it was easy not to include. (laughs) 
And that's so exciting because I know there is a generation coming up where there are parents like you and I who really want to make sure. I, I'm also an educator. I teach um, English. I've taught English all over the world, but I teach a writing course called Mindful Storytellers. And I teach how, all the concepts of emotional intelligence through developing characters with a group of kids and adults. And let's tell you, it's one that's of cool. It's one of the most enriching because it's collaborative. We have to deal with different personalities, uh, different ideals and concepts, and it's real democratic. Well, what do you think? Do you like that one better? What's that thought? Raise a hand. Who who really wants to go in that direction? Well, maybe anybody, any other ideas? So it's like really teaching people to be collaborative, you know, and, and really at the end, accepting the results from it, you know? And feeling proud of being a part of the journey, and then I published the book, you know, for the for the kids, and that's really fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Even the adults love it. So it's great. That inner child really wakes up and say, <laughs> "But anyways, I do appreciate you, Stephanie Ryan, from being on EQ Above IQ. I'm definitely going to tell all my listeners to go out and get her book." It is darling. I know this is audio. You won't see the video, but go get it. It's so cute. And um, let's teach our kids science, right? Yeah. Um, the book is available on Amazon in hard copy. So it's a board book in case your kids are chewers or droolers. Um, and <laughs> the ebook, I've made it 99 cents so that anybody can get it. That way it's just out there. So if if you're wanting to check it out and you don't want to spend the money on a board book, it's available digitally as well. Oh, that's great. That's a really good idea, actually. Um, and then um, where can they look again? You said Instagram, you're opening up a TikTok. What's your website? It's letslearnaboutscience.com. And I'm not sure when this episode will air, but uh, later this summer, I'll be converting a lot of the Instagram content into blog posts mm-hmm. to help parents have themes that they could work with their child. So that if you end up with a kid who says, hey, mommy, I really like bugs, you can be like, well, here are five resources that somebody tried with their kid who likes bugs. And here you go. <laughs> great. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I, I do appreciate you. Thank you for being on EQ above IQ. Go get her book, please, darling. And um, have a blessed day. What a great interview. Stephanie was a pleasure to speak to. Um, if you want to get more information about where she is, what she does, um, check her out on Instagram on Let's Learn About Science. And you can also see her on her website of the same title. Um, Ryan Education Consulting LLC is the name of her company. And I love what she's doing. And um, she also has her book is available on Amazon. Please go check that out. It was really great. And um, thanks for listening. And I hope you have a blessed day.